on this episode of the nosebleeds we got drama more drama and a little bit more drama starting off with the nfl we got miles garrett and colin kaepernick with the nba it's about a month into the season and a very surprise free agent has been signed find out who and in the mlb the houston astros are going to be the houston astros all this and more on the nosebleeds life on the edge i'm dangling my feet i tried to pay attention but attention paid me haters can't see me nosebleed seats Yo, what is up, y'all? And welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds, because we know what we're talking about, but we sit up in the Nosebleeds because we broke. It's your boy. What up, y'all? It is Kush, and I am joined by a special guest today because Brandy is not in today. But stepping in for her today, we have my good friend, Jonathan Rodriguez, a.k.a. Johnny. How you doing, Johnny? Good morning. Thanks for having me on today. How are we all doing today? Good, good, good. We are recording this Friday morning, so let's get straight into mm. it. Get I the think crust the, out your eyes. I think the biggest thing is that happened yesterday, Thursday morning, was uh, with the NFL, Miles Garrett. First of all, let's talk about the situation. Miles Garrett, if you guys didn't see last Thursday night football, Miles Garrett uh, basically clubbed mason rudolph in the head with his own helmet um and that led to a whole lot of hoopla and uh miles garrett marquise pouncey the center for the steelers and then larry Ogunjobi, the defensive tackle for the browns all got suspended so thursday they uh, this past thursday which was yesterday for us they appealed their suspension garrett's suspension was upheld and he's been suspended for the rest of the 2019 season without pay and Marquise Pouncey was originally suspended for three games, and now they uh, reduce it to two games. And Larry Ogunjobi's one-game suspension was upheld along with Garrett's. So this whole thing happened when the Browns were up 21-7 to with like, eight seconds yeah. left in the game. The very end of the game. Why even try to Why even try to make a situation like that happen? Just let the, let, let the clock run off, go back to the locker room. Let your emotions go in there. Why put it on the field for the fans to see? It's ridiculous. I know. And get it's a rare, called for. Get a rare W that you ended up getting. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But the Browns are going to be the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole situation started with Mason Rudolph. Well, first of all, would you say Miles Garrett is a dirty player? Yeah, it hasn't been the best season for him. I mean, he's had two late hits that I've seen or heard of so far. Uh, this one just adds fuel to the fire when it comes to that. Now, the only thing I can say in his defense is if he was provoked or not, either way. Which, which he was. If you've seen the, in the video, definitely Mason Rudolph started. Well, Miles Garrett, late hit for sure. Should have been a rough in the passer call. Yeah. Flag wasn't thrown. And then Mason Rudolph provoked it by trying to take his helmet off, which I don't know why. And then um, after he failed, he tried to kick him in the groin as he was trying to get up. Yeah. And according to Miles Garrett, for some reason, he says that there was some type of racial slur used and i mean yes it's it's i i can see why he was provoked to act in that manner when it comes to you know a racial a racial slur going against him from mason rudolph who i don't know him i don't know him that well i don't think any of us do but when you're in the nfl i could see it happening but apparently his lawyer and everything they said it was false nfl did some digging. Yeah, it's kind they of said a it was false accusation as well. It's kind of at a he said she said kind of a thing right now. It's mm-hmm. it's Miles Garrett's word against Mason Rudolph, and I I don't think they're gonna do anything about it because the NFL came out and said that they couldn't find any evidence with 
uh, the racial slurs. So, uh, I, I, yeah, it's a bunch of he said, he said, she said. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be the suspension. Do you think Miles Garrett got the correct suspension for the rest of the season without pay? You think he should add more? He should have had less. What do you think? I think it's perfect. I think the without pay is, is deserving as well. I mean, he tried to use the guy's helmet as a weapon. Like yeah, he, straight, he legit tried assault. to bat. Yeah, he, he legitly. If it was on the streets and not an NFL game, he'd possibly be behind bars for the for the near future. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's lucky Mason Rudolph isn't actually pressing charges against him for trying to endanger his career. But we'll see what happens after that. I mean, you never know. I think I think the suspension with the uh, the Browns aren't going to make the playoffs. I think we all agree on that. So I think. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're not making the playoffs, it's not going to affect him as much. And, like, come the beginning of the 2020 season, it's just going to brush past us. And we're just going to be like, oh, he, he was suspended, whatever kind of a thing. It's not we're, – we're not going to take it into crazy consideration like the Vontez Burfecht thing. Vontez Burfecht, like, he was – but Vontez Burfecht – He's is a known, headhunter, though. That's exactly, why he's known for that. I mean, I would say this is worse than headhunting. The guy course, assaulted yeah. him. Of course, of course. I would say this is worse than headhunting, and which is a rare thing because I do not agree with anything Vontez Burfecht does. But the, what Miles Garrett did, I was shocked. Otherwise, and, I was speechless. Yeah, because he's such an even cool guy. Like, like last season, we saw – we saw hard knocks for them and he was like he was a cool dude on the show you know he was really even keel we never he never really spoke out of character and stuff like that and then especially this season he had an off field an off uh, like an off field incident where a fan stopped him in the streets to take a picture where he was in his car and then he got sucker punched now you didn't hear of him of hear of him um retaliating retaliating or anything like that so this is why it's kind of surprising and out of character in my opinion which is why i'm kind of on his side about him getting pro- i'm provoked to do the things he did especially with mason rudolph trying to hurt him as well by ripping his helmet off kicking him in the groin but you just can't act that way yeah you you just can't you're a professional and i i'm in if i'm john dorsey right now the gm of the browns i'm in a very tough situation because you know miles garrett is a hell of a player he's one of the best in the league at his position and it's kind of tough because it's like do you do what's morally correct or like you just do what's best for the team and keep him on the team and hope he doesn't have this incident again, which I think he won't. I think he'll really learn from his mistake this time. But then again, I could be wrong. I thought that was perfect. Then uh, look what happened. Yeah, I think this is a different type of situation when it comes to what John Dorsey has to do. Because, I mean, there's been previous allegations on different type of players for such like for worse crimes on different teams. Yeah. And those players are still there. I mean, one big one, I don't, I don't want to bring another player into the incident. But, I mean, for example, Big Ben. Back in the early 2000s, got accused of some stuff. He's been on the team ever since. Nothing really happened to him. Everything, I guess, was acquitted. But this situation, it's an on-field incident. It's kind of tough, honestly, and I, I can see what you're saying. I keep him on the team, though. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt you're going to keep him I think suspending him for the season without pay hurts him because he can't He can't really be around the team right now. He can't be in the practice facility. I don't think so. I think he'll be fine, to be honest. Though. I mean, the Brown. The biggest thing that stood out to me when the whole incident happened is, yeah, you see Larry Ogunjobi coming and pushing Mason Rudolph down to the floor. But when Marquise Pouncey was on top of Miles Garrett, kicking him and punching him in the head and all that stuff, you didn't see a single Browns player come to Miles Garrett's defense. And I I think that kind of speaks to Mm. how this team is just not close together, not tighten it like Mm -hmm. a normal Mm -hmm. uh, professional team would be. And I think that speaks a lot to that locker room and speaks a lot to that 
uh, coaching staff and just the players itself. I, I don't think they're a tight-knit group, and I think that's why you've seen – I mean, also that there's been terrible coaching, Freddie Kitchens, but I, I mm-hmm. think that's also why you just see this team not being successful, and especially with all the hype coming into the season. Oh, so much hype. Every, I mean, I was, a, I was a believer of the Browns. I wanted them to do well. I wanted to see Baker succeed, but hasn't happened so far. But I, but aside from that, I can see what you're saying because I mean, even Odell has gone on, gone on with the press mm-hmm. and kind of, and kind of you've seen him Baker. frustrated yeah. on the sideline you with see Baker's him. throws. Mm-hmm. And for him not getting the ball, like he's supposed to be a vocal point of that offense, and they're not really using, utilizing him to his potential, and it, and it sucks. You but see I, it. That, that, but that's the thing. I think that's more of a Freddie Kitchen thing, coaching scheme, and all that stuff. But yeah. yeah, when I saw that nobody came to Miles Garrett's defense, I was very shocked. I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. Even if you like agree or disagree with what he did, you like, think Pouncey was let off easy with a two-game suspension? Yeah, uh, I think it should have been at least four, four minimum. I mean, even the given, three that they first announced. Given the history announced. of fights in this league and stuff like that, and that he connected on these punches, I think maybe he should have. But I'm not mad with him not because I. I mean, he came to his quarterback's defense. Exactly. Something the Browns didn't do. Yeah, exactly. Well, and even there was other guys like Alejandro Villanueva who was just standing there, kind of, but getting in the situation. Marquise Pouncey was like, "Oh hell no, you gonna touch my quarterback? Like yeah. you're gonna get it, kind of mm-hmm. a thing." So that's why I respect Marquise Pouncey and what he did for yeah. his uh, quarterback. All right, let's move on to Colin Kaepernick's situation. So uh, the NFL had set up a random workout for NFL executives to come see Colin Kaepernick, which was supposed to take place last Saturday. So the NFL sent Kaepernick and his camp a waiver proposal, uh, this workout, which they deemed a normal workout waiver, quote-unquote, and uh, came to find out that that wasn't true. So two and a half hours before the actual workout on Saturday, Kaepernick's camp sent out a counterproposal to the NFL, which the league then refused to accept. So Kaepernick said, hell with this workout. I'm going to hold my own workout in some high school in Atlanta. Um, And uh, so so do you think Kaepernick made the right move by declining the NFL's workout and holding his own workout? No, I think I think he made the right move for himself, but I think he made a wrong move for his career. Just because he had over 20 teams coming to look at him at that workout when it came to that, the, uh, the uh, Falcons uh, training facility. And then when he held his own, I think only five to s- or six teams were in attendance. And it was maybe not that great, to be honest. I mean, everyone saw the one throw he had from that deep ball. But Yeah, I want to I talk about that throw later on, but go ahead. But, I mean, I think he made the wrong move for his career, to be honest. I'm, I'm a big Kaepernick fan. I agree with what he's doing. I agree with the movement, but... If if you're looking to come back into the league and play, you have, you kind of have to abide by the rules in some way. So that just shows him that that shows the NFL that he's not really trying to make his trying to extend his hand to help to make it happen. I mean, they gave him a big opportunity to do so. They let him come into their into their their leagues field, have their people have their people there, reach out to him, try and protect him with the waiver as well. I mean, protect themselves, I guess you could say, but I think protect themselves more than him. Yeah, protect themselves, but I I feel like he should have went through with it. Honestly, I think he made the right move and not going through with it. I think this all from the get go was a PR stunt for the NFL to make themselves look good and uh, kind of like be like, hey, we're doing Kaepernick a favor, so uh, make us look good, kind of a thing. And I think Kaepernick did the right thing by saying no because uh and i'm gonna hold my own workout so i mean i feel like the nfl is just trying to clean up all their mess from the past two years plus of kaepernick not playing and Mm. not having a job per se i mean let's be honest kaepernick is 
better or on the same level as every single backup quarterback in this league. Would you agree with me? I would say talent yes. Talent-wise. Yeah, talent-wise, yes. Um, but his last six games he played in the NFL, it was it was subpar. It wasn't that great before he left. But for a backup quarterback, I'm saying. I'm yeah, not, for I'm a not backup quarterback, starters. I mean, yes, he would. it would take some time to get him onto the field. I mean, three years out of the NFL is a big thing. It's like he's basically become – he's like a rookie again, basically, if he comes back in. It's going to be a different game again. He's not going to be used to the speed. I mean, he had a chance to play in the XFL last season, or I think last year when they offered him a contract, but he said no. So that was his chance to get some playing time in with former NFL players, but I don't know. And that's why I can see the argument about him not really wanting to play football, but more making a stand kind of a thing, Yeah. which is why I think he would only get a backup position kind of a job, and he wouldn't get a starter. I mean – I, I agree for NFL teams not wanting to sign him because obviously he wants a starting job. But l- let's put it this way: if if uh, basically an employee or employer employs you, and uh, are you gonna go into work the first day and be like, "I want it my way, not your way," kind of a thing? No, of it doesn't. Not. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, and I think it. that's Colin Kaepernick's mentality, and that's why no NFL team is offering him a job mm-hmm. because it's and there's so much off the field drama. It's like. Would you rather take, like, and it sucks to say, would you rather take a Nathan Peterman or Colin Kaepernick? Mm-hmm. Like, Nathan Peterman, like, yeah, he's not he good you, at whatsoever. He headaches on the field, but not off the field. Exactly. And the, all that publicity and all that stuff. Bad publicity, I would say, because yeah. you know how, and I hate to say it because I'm a part of the media, but the media is always going to try to twist things, and it's just going to off set the the mindset of the coaching staff and all that we're having and the gm and the front office having to worry about their pr instead of actually winning ball games on the field kind of a thing so that's why i don't blame nfl teams not wanting to sign him but i mean he's better on the same level as almost every single backup yeah, quarterback and then if a coaching NFL. staff if a coaching staff were to let the off-field issues hurt what they're gonna do like if he's not you know committing a crime if you're gonna let off-field talk like that affect your locker room and your coaching style then honestly that's not fair to the player itself i mean the gms the people upstairs i understand it they have to pay attention to that but uh, the coaches and stuff like that i mean you gotta let your always play if they can play they gotta be on the field i mean i feel like Kaepernick can get the Bengals win right now <laughs> really <laughs> i think the Bengals are a lost cause <laughs> i don't know man uh who's their quarterback now finley nah finley what happened to Dalton? Benched? Yeah, benched. <laughs> um, but back to that fi- on, back to that fifty yard pass that we were talking about at his workout. I don't like how everyone's going crazy about that fifty yard pass. Like I don't either. The guy had no pass rush coming towards him. Mm-hmm. He had no DBs to throw to. It was mm-hmm. just a basic fifty yard pass. I'm pretty sure if you put Jamarcus Russell out there, he'd make that pass. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jamarcus, I will put, I will put money Russell. To, dude, he takes two steps back. I don't think back. he can throw a football 10 yards right now, bro. Relax. <laughs> Relax. But I mean, yes, I see what you're saying. I mean, a 50-yard pass with I'm sure Edelman. Nothing, I'm sure no, Edelman can go. Him. Edelman can go to a touchdown. quarterback. Two touchdown last That's week. what I'm saying. Edelman yeah. can go to a quarterback workout yeah. and make that same pass. Yeah. Like, it's just a 50-yard yeah. pass, and everyone's going crazy, which about his ability was, to play quarterback. It, it was, was on the money. It was a good deep ball. Okay, It was a good ball, but. You've been a quarterback your entire life. Of course, it has to be on the money. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, like. As a quarterback, which like, like we said, he has the talent. Nobody has ever questioned whether he's had talent. It's only the off-field drama that comes with it. Mm-hmm. But nobody's ever questioned it. And that's why everyone, when they're going crazy over this pass, I'm just like, okay, like it's a 50-yard pass. Great. I mean, is that really arm strength? Are we really saying 50 yards is arm strength? Like, come on. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has said it had the strongest arm in the league. He threw a ball 70 yards. Mohamed Sanu threw the ball 78 yards or 68 yards, something like that. 
get this man in Get this man under under center, please. Dude, I'm telling you, they Muhammad got Sanu. If you're listening, the Patriots, <laughs> the Patriots got Muhammad Sanu to take over Tom Brady when he retires. <laughs> Calling it right now. We're in an era of dual over threat. Duels? Come on, we're bro. we're in an era of dual threat quarterbacks, as you can see in Baltimore. So actually, it's a good segue. Let's talk about Baltimore and uh, are you blind call of the week? There you go. Um, I hate I hate to do this to my Ravens, but uh, they got let off the hook big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my are you blind call of the week is the Texans versus the Ravens. There's five minutes and 58 seconds remaining in the first quarter. Zero zero game. It's fourth and two for the Texans, and they're in enemy territory in Ravens' 33-yard line, and Deshaun Watson throws it up to DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone. Hopkins is pretty much tackled by Marlon Humphreys before the ball reaches Hopkins, and it was a clear and obvious passing interference. But once again, to no one's surprise, they don't call it. And what does uh, the coach for the Texans do? Bill O'Brien throws a challenge flag to challenge a PI call. Three minutes after clear-cut evidence review, they took that long to review it just to come back and say, yeah, that wasn't a PI, even though he was tackled. And the the crazy thing is, I mean, we get these calls every time, like, throughout the season. But, like, this is playoff contention mm-hmm. for the Texans. Mm-hmm. And... That could have changed the whole momentum of the game. If they get that PI call, it's now first and goal on the one yard line. I'm pretty sure the Texans score a touchdown, which makes it 7 0 Texans. And the Texans only scored one touchdown the entire game. So that could have just changed the entire momentum of the game. Mm-hmm. And, could, have been, yeah, could have changed a lot. And I feel like I say this every episode to a point where I'm getting tired of hearing myself say is get your shit together, NFL refs. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. Have some accountability. Make the right call and own up to your mistakes. I mean, they definitely have to readdress or retool this PI challenge this offseason because it's just getting ridiculous and out yeah, of it's hand. Like, it's like every week it's the same call we're seeing, though. And what's the point of having a challenge if you're going to blatantly make the wrong call every time, even after you have a second chance? Exactly. Get this. Ridiculous. Get this. From the beginning of the season through the time, the the one or 10 o'clock for Pacific time, Mm -hmm. 10 o'clock games. uh, So time one through Sunday. Yeah. Coaches challenge for passing interference are six of 58. That's 10.3 percent this year. That's ridiculous. And there has been some blame. If I can see it on first replay, honestly, that's a passing interference. It should be overturned. That's basically the ref saying, I don't care. Yeah, and I think that's that's it's come to an ego thing, and I feel like there's nobody to take accountability of these bad calls, and that's why mm-hmm. the refs are getting away with it. I mean, you hear fans always complaining. You hear NFL players coming out and speaking out complaining, which rightfully they should, and nobody's taking accountability. Nobody's owning up to these mistakes, and they're just getting away with all of it. I agree. I totally agree with you on that. It's ridiculous. So it's, let me guess. You're, 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 uh, are you blind call of the week as passing interference? Yeah, it's going to be another passing <laughs> interference. Course. But this time it's not a defensive or it's defensive pass interference that should have been overturned the opposite way. It should have been an offensive pass interference call. And I'm talking about Arizona versus San Fran this past weekend. We had Joe Walker going uh, running up the running up the sideline with, uh, I don't know his first name, but Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk for the, for the for Frisco. I believe he's our fullback. <clears throat> so he had a real route on the outside. Uh, Joe Walker's a middle linebacker or outside linebacker coming in, uh, basically running with him. Balls up in the air. Jimmy G throws a nice ball to the defense. Uh, you have Juszczyk basically jump on Walker's back, holding him down before the ball even lands. It doesn't even. It's not even above them. He's just trying to stop them from making a play. And they call defensive pass interference. Now, at the time of the play, I can see why, because you can see Juszczyk kind of have his eye, his head torn towards the ball, trying to jump and die for the catch. 
But on the on the replay, you see he has his hand inside his face mask, pulling it the opposite way, landing on top of him. Doesn't even let the ball go down. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's I, ridiculous. I saw that one, and uh, I mean. Most of the time when you see, like, a big, like, scrum when the ball's in the air, you obviously – you're usually going to call it defense passing interference mm-hmm. instead of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they definitely got it wrong with this one big time. Should have been offensive passing interference. And uh, could have changed the momentum of the game too because that – I think – I believe that possession or that drive, they came down and scored a mm-hmm. touchdown anyways, but that mm-hmm. could have been changed. Yeah, and Arizona had a great chance to come back and win that game, too. That means- Arizona's been giving the Niners some problems. I yeah. mean, they played them twice. They almost beat them the first time, and they almost uh, beat them the second time, too. Mm-hmm. So it was a very close game. So Tyler Murray going to be their kryptonite coming soon? We'll see. Well, but we're going to get into uh, the Niners in our next segment. So we're going to play a little game called Contender or Pretender. Um, basically... The teams that are in the playoff hunt right now, we're going to see whether they're for real or they're fake, contender or pretender. So let's start off with the New England Patriots. They're sitting at 9-1, and one, contender or pretender. Pretend, I'm just kidding, contender. <laughs> Man, that defense that defense is something else. They had they allowed 33 points to the first, what, seven games of the season until they faced the Ravens? Yeah. That's ridiculous, man. That's that's unheard of. Yeah. That's less than a touchdown per game. That's historic numbers right yeah. there. Their defense scored more touchdowns than they allowed for the first, I think, four weeks of the season. Then, I mean, you know, Ravens came in and gave them that work, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Uh, uh, I, I also have them as contender, but my biggest thing with them is, yeah, we talked about their their defense being stellar, which is a big part why they are contenders, because mm-hmm. I think you take that defense out of the equation, they're kind of a question mark. They're fringe contender pretender, because right now, I think Tom Brady and that offense definitely needs to step up. Yeah, They're, they're middle of the pack, 16, like smack dab in the middle, uh, total yards per game, with the 24th best run game in the league. So, I mean, that kind of... Yeah, you take that defense away, I think the Bills give them some trouble. So, we're going to talk, actually, about the Bills next. So... Contender or pretender? The Bills, I'm going to say a contender. Really? I'm going to say contender. Josh Josh Allen's a gamer, man. He's going to go out there and win you a game. And the fact that he has like a top five defense in the league behind him to get him the ball back, I like it. I was a, I was a Bill lever before the season started. And after, these, after the first 10 weeks of the season, they've, they've won me over. I can see him as a wild card game, getting into the divisional, maybe against New England, maybe giving him some trouble, but... We'll see how it goes, but I like it. They do play New England one more time this year, so we'll we'll have to see what happens. But I actually have them as a pretender. Yes, they're seven and three right now. They've really only played one good team, maybe two if you consider the Eagles, which I consider the Eagles as a good team, but they got smacked by the Eagles. Yeah, of course. So I mean if you look who they've played, they've played the Jets, win. Giants win. So the Patriots. Bengals win. Patriots, that was their loss. Titans with the Mariota. That was a win. Dolphins win. Eagles loss. Mm-hmm. Redskins win. Browns loss. And then Dolphins mm-hmm. win. So, I mean, if you look at their wins, it's they're all against easy teams, yeah, like bottom of, of the course. pack teams. That's which is why I'm not convinced by them. But their record it does show that they they are gonna, they may make that wild card spot. Now they have the Broncos. They have the Ravens, the Steelers, Patriots, and Jets. So, I think outside of even the Broncos are kind of iffy, too, because the Broncos have kind of stepped it up, their defense especially. And... uh I mean, the Jets is going to be a win, but those other three teams, the Ravens, Steelers, and Patriots, those could be losses. And I think even if they do still make the wild card spot in the playoffs, they're not a contender for me. They're going to get knocked out. It's going to be easy round for whoever's round one against the wow. the Bills. Wow. That's why I have them as a pretender. Alrighty. All right, let's get next team. We got my team. 
the Ravens. I'm going to take this one first. Contender. Of course you are. Contender, contender, contender. Uh, I actually believe that. I mean, I can't even say I'm not being biased because there probably is a bit of bias in me or like people aren't going to take me serious if I don't say mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not biased. But they're a contender. I think they're the best team in the AFC right now. I think they're they, – I mean, obviously they beat the Patriots, which record-wise are the best team in the AFC. Yeah. But they have, <clears throat> they have the MVP, arguably one of the best lines in the NFL, and their defense is finally picking it up. The, the defense was going to be the downfall of the Ravens, which – who would have thought I would ever say that? But yeah, exactly. The the Ravens defense is finally picking it up, and Lamar Jackson is just on a mission, taking down the Seahawks, taking down the Patriots, taking down the Texans. Now they have the Rams on Monday night, the Niners, the Bills. So I I don't see why they can't win I mean, out the rest of the season. They got a tough schedule remaining, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, Lamar Jackson led that offense <laughs> to the number one offense in the league, most points scored. That's amazing. Yeah. As a second, second as best, a second year guy coming yeah. in. His first full season under center as a starting QB. I mean, he's blown us all away. He's he's exceeded expectations on mine, to be honest. Mine too, for sure. I didn't sure. expect him to be this good this quick. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's coming out as a leader on that team. Everyone everyone rallies behind him. I mean, you saw Mark Ingram last week after the game. That, that was, was awesome. That was amazing. You can come see me. Yeah, because I'm about that. <laughs> Outside the bank. Yeah. Mark Ingram, uh, which I can't stress enough, the Ravens got him for a steal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean... Second best, you said number one in points, second best in yards per game. And then mm-hmm. their defense was like, I think in the 20s, like mid to, to late 20s mm-hmm. in their rank. Now they're up to 14th best defense. So that kind of says a lot. And I yeah, mean, they're tightening up. I mean, it's a, it's going towards the second half of the, what is the second half of the season going towards the end. You know, you kind of have to take it, tighten up some loose ends, which they're doing on defense, which is great. I mean, it's what they've needed to do the entire season. I, I could say they would have been undefeated if they did. They had some key injuries to their secondary. I mean, you had Tony Jefferson, who was out for the season, I believe. Yeah, he is. Uh, you had Jimmy, is it Jimmy Smith Jimmy was coming Smith. back. He, he's back he's already. He's coming back. He's back already. He was out for, I think, the first four or five games of the season. He came back against the Patriots. That oh, was so his first game back. So eight? he's been back for a couple games. Oh, okay. Not bad. I mean, but not yeah, bad. I mean, Jimmy but, Smith was injured for a while. Mm-hmm. Tavon Young, their slot corner, got injured before the season even started. Mm-hmm. Um. And then Brandon Williams has been here and there with her like big run stopper defensive mm-hmm. tackle slash end. But how about how about Marcus Peters? Yeah, Marcus Peters. I think I think steal. I Absolute think stole him from the Rams. And I I mean I don't blame the Rams for dealing him because obviously they got Jalen Ramsey, but I think the Rams were kinda done with him and I think they should have been done with him because the guy wasn't playing well. I don't think the defensive scheme was well, but I think Marcus Peters is more of a kind of a a zone guy mm-hmm. rather than yeah. man on man guy and i, I think agree. that that's why having earl thomas behind you having i mean even the backups for tony jefferson chuck clark deshaun elliott went down but chuck clark um anthony levine like those guys have been stepping it up big time so uh, marcus peters was such a good trade and uh yeah, eric DeCosta, this is his first year as a gm for the well, for the Ravens after Austin Newsom stepped down, but Eric DaCosta, shout out to him for all the moves and what he's been able to build over here in uh or in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not bad. So that's why I have them as. Oh, you never said contender or pretender. I'm, I'm no Ravens. Yeah, contender, man. Contender. I, okay. I really have them going to the AFC Championship game. Maybe even the Super Bowl, depending on who they face in that in the championship game, which honestly might be New England. They also have John Harbaugh as a head coach, one of the best coaches in the league right now. Yeah, Jim's better. Yeah, no. <laughs> John Harbaugh beat him in the Super Bowl, so that shut all this shut all of it up. 
All right, let's move it to the Colts. They're six and five currently. Just lost to the Texans uh, last night. Ooh. It was a good game. A tough game. Tough contender game. or pretender? Pretender, man. Okay, why is that? I don't. Th- I don't think Jacoby Brissett can get him can get into this season. To be honest, that defense also it's not as good as it was last season. It's a tough one for me. T.Y. Hilton's been out a lot of the season. I mean, he came back yesterday, but he had some crucial drops. I believe he yeah, had he two did. drops, uh, going one going towards the sideline that kind of got deflected. Yeah, two drops that kind of got deflected going towards the sideline. Uh, one of them was flat out white through his hands. He actually had it and then dropped it. So That was on third down, too. Yeah, you can't be having plays like that if you want to be contender. To me, they're pretenders, honestly. And then Marlon Mack is going to be out for some time as well. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Williams had a great game yesterday, 100 yards, one touchdown. Not bad. It's kind of like... Four yards per carry. Yeah. Really Solid. good. Really good. But to so, me, honestly, they're pretenders right now. I had high hopes for them when the season started, but they you let did me down. even with Bursette over with Angela. Bursette, yeah, because okay. he played pretty well for them when he actually was under center about a season and a half ago. Uh, but I don't know, man. That defense is just not looking good to me. That's all it is. I can see it, and uh, I have them surprisingly at contender, but I have a little asterisk next to it, and that's because it's all contingent on their health. You you already talked about the injuries. Mm-hmm. If, if they can stay healthy, I think they're one of the best all-around teams in the NFL. I mean, Marlon Mack can prove he, he's... Oh, yeah, Marlon Mack is great. Don't get me Marlon wrong. Marlon Mack is great. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton is great. And J- Jacoby Brissett probably had his worst game of the season yesterday, and that's also because the guy's injury with his ankle and his knee... Like, yeah, on he, the same play. Yeah, like it was it was oh, gruesome. and It was. I'm surprised he came back so quick. That's what I'm saying. So I think... And you saw he was definitely kind of not leaning on that leg too much. Mm-hmm. And even when he was like scrambling, he was like... You, you could tell he wasn't running yeah, as he normally Yeah, probably a rushing touchdown, though. Yeah, so I mean... But his passing yards weren't there. But I still think when they're all healthy and if they can get all healthy, they could possibly give some teams in the AFC problems. But... As of right now, I guess I would put him as pretender, but that's why I'm saying contender with an asterisk with, yeah, if they're I healthy. Think, I think their game plan yesterday was flawed as well, and that kind of leads into, for me, the Texans, which I believe are a contender, mainly because they have the, one of the top rushing defenses in the league. Uh, the Colts ran the ball 35 times against them. Ridiculous. Threw the ball 25 times. Texans are the opposite when it comes to the pass defense game. They, I think they rank in the middle of the pack. So I, I feel like if the Colts actually wanted to do some damage, it was in the passing game. Now, Texans for me are a contender. I really think they're a great they're a great team. I'm I'm all in on Deshaun Watson. I really like this guy. And honestly, Nuka, DeAndre Hopkins had a great game yesterday for the first time this whole season. Actually I think since game one. Um, I think ever since uh, this is the f- this first really good game, yeah, like you said, game one with Will Ful- Fuller in the lineup. Oh uh, yeah, because when Will Fuller was out, he, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was putting up great numbers as well. Yeah, but I think even Will Fuller put up better numbers. I mean, he didn't have the touchdowns, but Will Fuller went seven for one forty. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have the Texans as pretender. Wow, because why? Don't get me wrong, Deshaun Watson, hell of a season. MVP like season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take away that Baltimore game, I think he's top five in MVP voting. He's 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 still top five for me. Still okay. top five for me. So, but that that defense is just way too banged up. You got JJ Watt out. You got. I mean, they get they gave away J, J, Jadavion Clowney. I mean, that secondary is always iffy. Always is going to be iffy. Mm-hmm. They've tried to address that the issue with really good yesterday though. Yeah, they did. But then, then again, I I would 
I just don't think Jacoby Brissett was on his game. That's, That's what fair. it was. That's fair. And I mean, they tried to make moves with uh, trading for Gary on Conley for uh, picking up oh, Vernon Hardgraves. Yeah. yeah. So, but the thing is, is there's no way the Texans are winning any games because that O line is god awful. They don't give Deshaun Watson any time to throw. Yeah. So yeah. that I mean, was it most QB hits for him? I think. I think so, but yeah. but this is the crazy stat is that the Ravens were one of the worst teams in sacks this total sacks this season. They had <laughs> seven sacks against the Ra- yeah, or was... against the Texans last week, and that that kind of s- speaks to how bad that offensive line is. Yeah, and I mean, hold Deshaun Watson to seven points. That's exactly, and yeah, I that that's what I'm saying. I, I, I that's why I don't think the the Texans are contenders. They're definitely pretenders for me. I love Deshaun Watson. I love what he's doing but i i just that team around deshaun watson i don't think it's gonna help them win any playoff games in my opinion um all right so let's move on to the chiefs contenders or pretender they're sitting at seven and four i'll go with contender uh mahomes is a wagon he he didn't look too hot against the chargers but i'll blame the field for that the field conditions were just bad and mm-hmm. then also he didn't have tyree kill yep but he's still up there for the MVP conversation. He's missed two games and still put up 2,808 passing yards. That's more than Russell Wilson. That's, crazy. That's more than Lamar Jackson. That's more than Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's had 19 touchdowns and only two interceptions. And I'm going to say this right now. Him and Tyreek Hill are the best quarterback receiver duo in the NFL. Over Drew Brees, Mike Thomas, over Julio, and Matt Ryan. I'm putting them as number one right now. If you give me them healthy for a full season, I'm going to say yes. This season so far, I would say... I still think they're the best. If you look at Tyreek Hill, because of health, man, that's the that's the only thing. I mean, Tyreek Hill, he's been out for some time too. I mean, he came back for about three weeks uh, from a from a pretty bad injury. But if you look at the past two games before the Monday night game against the Chargers, he had three hundred and five total yards and two touchdowns in two games. In a two game span, three hundred and five yards. And two touchdowns. And but since returning from his injury in the beginning of the season, he's had five touchdowns. He's had a touchdown in almost every single game. So, but I can agree with you though. The, I, I agree with you. The biggest thing for this Chiefs, which could potentially push him to the pretender, but it's I still defense. have them as contender, is yes, their defense. They're ranked 26th in the NFL right now, and uh, that ranking is not going to be suffice against playoff teams. But the only thing is, I can kind of argue with that is their defense plays really, really bad. Against teams they should beat, yeah. But play they step up like crazy when it comes against top teams. I mean, I don't know what it is or why it is like they can't be consistent and just play well the entire time. But I think come playoff time in those big time games, Tyron Matthews gonna make some big plays. Uh, I believe they have uh, Frank Clark from that they got in the off seasons and make some big plays. Guys, I still don't think they can they can do it. To be honest. I mean, I'm not Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Fuller has been injured their corner for for a good amount of time, but I still think that defense is going to be that downfall, kind of like it was last year in a sense. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did everything to get him to the AFC Championship, which mm-hmm. they could have potentially won if D mm-hmm. Ford doesn't go offside. But yep. I mean, I I I think that's going to be the downfall, and that's why they don't make it to the Super Bowl this year. Maybe still contenders too, in my but, eyes though. I'm not counting out Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm still going to give them a bazooka for an arm. Yeah, for sure. That guy's got a cannon. All right, let's talk about their division rivals: Raiders, six and four, contender, pretender. Pretender. Main reason why I don't trust their receivers. I mean, their best receivers are a tight end, 
who got a, who got a nice extension. Darren Waller's been having a great season, but I mean Tyrell hasn't lived up to expectations. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Shout out to Darren Waller's for turning it around. This guy was oh, yeah. doing drugs, amazing doing everything. Story. Like if you if you haven't read Darren Waller's story, go look it up. It is an amazing comeback story. Um, and yeah, well deserving of his three year extension. Yeah, he's been having a great season so far. I mean, aside from that, though, I mean, Tyrell hasn't lived up, lived up to expectations from when they signed him. You know, I expected him to kind of have a great season. I know they had some other player on their team that they let go, uh, that who we shall not mention. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I mean, he's he's been kind of reliable for Derek Carr. He's got a nice check down option in the slot. But aside from that, I do not trust the receivers. Uh Josh Jacobs has kind of been the lone bright spot in that offense for me, honestly. Yes. He's kind of been carrying that offense in a, in a way. Rookie of the year. Yeah, rookie of the year for sure. For sure. Uh, and their defense, honestly, is kind of subpar for me. Uh, I know la- I know the past, I think, two or three games they've been having, they've been holding teams to under three touchdowns a game, which is not bad, if they're, if, which is not bad, but it's not anywhere near a playoff team should be. I just don't, I don't see them making it too far. Yeah, I have him as pretender as well, but if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm happy with the direction of this franchise. I honestly thought oh, yeah. that they were going to be bottom of the pack kind of a team. Maybe mm-hmm. even last, okay, maybe second to last, but like close to the Broncos for last in that division. And they're moving to Vegas next year, so that's a bright spot. And they might snag a playoff wild card spot. And I think they're currently six, so they currently have the second wild card spot right now. And yeah, they man. have a young core that Gruden knows how to use that oh, offense yeah. and defense. Um, that rookie class that they have from this season? Number yeah. one in the league in all aspects. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Receptions, rushing yards, receiving yards. Yeah. Uh, defense, sacks, QB yeah, hits, Max, pressures, Max everything. Max Crosby, his. Oh yeah, Mad Max. His last, his last game, he had what four sacks? Four sacks. Yeah. And they were impressive too. He showed some nice moves on the outside. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I, I just don't. And and actually, for once with the Raiders, they're all healthy. Yeah. That's the biggest thing because mm-hmm. Raiders have always been that team that battles injuries, and that mm-hmm. that's the reason why they can never go over the hump. Like Derek Carr was having that MVP season, and a lot of people thought the Raiders might actually win the Super Bowl that year. And then Derek Carr. Stum. Yep. So I mean, they they've been struggling with injuries, but if they're actually healthy for like for once. Yeah. But I, mean, I just I, I just don't think they'll they'll make the playoffs. Maybe, but. I don't think they they can contend, and that's just because they haven't beat any good teams. If you look yeah. at it, they lost to the Chiefs, lost to the Vikings, to the Packers, to the Texans, which are all playoff teams. Mm-hmm. But their remaining schedule is at uh, Jets, at Chiefs. They're home against the Titans and the Jags, and then at Chargers and at Broncos. So I mean, they could go five and one in that stretch. I would say maybe losing to the Chiefs and secure that wild card spot. But like I said, they haven't really beat any contenders, which is why they're my pretender. I agree with you. I mean, the only thing I can see that could help them is they have the number one offensive line of the league. I mean, Derek Carr has a few sacks on him, a few QB hits on him. He has a lot of time to throw, which he could, which could benefit him to make some smarter decisions with the ball. And all that, oh, I just, it's tough for me. It's tough for me. I'm gonna yeah. say pretender though. I I think just given the teams in the AFC, it's just so top heavy. Mm-hmm. You look at the Patriots, the Ravens, the Chiefs that. You just can't give it to the Raiders. But I, I do see them giving a team a run for their money in the wild card round. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move over to the NFC now. Uh, we got the Cowboys sitting at 6-4 and four right now. Pretender or contender? Are we doing boys? I don't think so. No. I'm going to say pretender. I'm pretenders too. Yeah. Honestly, they're right now first in their division. I don't even think they win their division. No way. 
And I, it's you, not to their fault, though. I think they have a, a lot of talent on that field. I just don't think Jason Garrett can do it for them, man. Yeah. He's been shown time and time again he hasn't been able to lead them to the promised land. And why he's still there, I don't know. Yeah, and their remaining schedule is not favorable to them at all. They have at Patriots, the Bills at home, at the Bears, the Rams at home, and at the Eagles and the Redskins at home. I mean... That's not very favorable, especially considering we'll go over what the Eagles have, which are five and five. Well, what they have as their remaining schedule, and I just think that the Eagles have a favorable schedule compared to the Cowboys, which is why I think the Eagles come out on top that division. And given right now they're six and four right now, that's especially in the NFC when you have the Seahawks, Niners, mm-hmm. and then the Vikings, Packers. Like, but let what- alone in the NFC East too, which I mean they're four and zero in their division, so they've beat. Everyone they're supposed to to actually take that division, but they've lost against everybody else. Yeah, I was going to say that they haven't beat any playoff contending teams. I mean, minus the Eagles, if you consider the Eagles. But uh, the Saints they lost to, the Packers they lost to, the Vikings they lost to, and then they lost to the Jets. (laughs) (laughs) They lost to the freaking Jets. But, I mean, this, this team is one of the best teams in the NFL. They have so much damn potential, but... Like you said, I think it's Jason Garrett. They're first in offensive yards per game, seventh in defensive yards per game. If you were, if I were to just tell you that stat alone, you'd think they'd be one of the best teams in the NFL. Of course, of course. Of course. But it's just a play calling. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think this Sunday they play the Patriots in Foxborough. I think that's going to be a true test to see whether they are contender or pretenders. But I think right as of right now, they're pretenders for me. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I don't really have them going far. I mean, Honestly, I could see the Eagles, which is the next team I believe we have on the list. Yeah. I can see them actually taking that division from them and winning out. Now, well, it, e- either either Cowboys, against... Cowboys or Eagles, whoever wins a division, the the other one is not even making the playoffs. I don't even oh, think no, they make the course, wild card. No. no. So that that's kind of crazy in itself. Like you go from a division leader to the fourth seed or whatever it is to not even making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy the, the NFL playoffs are. And that's why I love it. Yeah, it's great. So let's so talk about excited. the Eagles now. So excited for the end of the season. Let's talk about the Eagles. Uh, they're sitting at five and five, contender or pretender. I'm gonna say they're contender. I Mainly have. because it just depends on how Carson Wentz can play, because he looked really bad last week in that fourth quarter against the Patriots. Uh, but also, I mean, Aguilar had a very key drop in the last in the closing <laughs> seconds of the game. Uh, which is kind of, it's kind of like ironic. Yeah, it's ironic because I mean, if it was a baby, he would have caught it. Oh uh, my god! I've honestly, it's sad that whole meme. Like it's it's hilarious, but the yeah. guy took the high road, and I gotta respect him for that so much. I like, agree. What do you say again? He basically the guy who said we're catching babies, unlike Aguilar, which was absolutely hilarious. They're ca- like throwing That's out Philly babies fans from for a, you, man. Huh? That's Philly fans for you, man. I know. No ruthless, filter. Ruthless. Um. <laughs> But uh, Nelson Aguilar then came out and said, hey, I appreciate you, like, saving those babies or whatever. I'd like to bring you you to a game. I'd like to get you tickets, which is, like, ultimate respect. Yeah, it's classy. I mean, take care of the people take care of the city. Yeah, it's it's, it's every time Every time he drops it, that's what I think. Yeah, but the Eagles, for me, man, they're going to be a contender. Um, I really believe in that defense, and I really really believe that if the offense can get clicking, they'll give some people some trouble and take that division away from the Cowboys. I mean, they have one more shot at them to actually kind of make a stand. Yeah, I think which that, I really like. That's week sixteen, and I think that game is going to decide the division for sure. And it's for some reason, why does this always happen in that division? It always comes down to like the final week of the season for the NFC East. It's always really close. Because it's the Cowboys and the Eagles. <laughs> it's always the Cowboys and the Eagles. Um, but yeah, I have them contenders. 
but I have an asterisk next to it as well. I think they're the NFC version of the Colts. If they can stay healthy, mm. they can be contenders. Mm-hmm. But if not, they can't. And I think look at just look at the injury pr- report. Jason Peters, their starting left tackle, questionable. Mm-hmm. Aguilar, questionable. Lane Johnson, their starting right tackle, questionable. Jordan Howard, starting running back, questionable. Alshon Jeffrey, their starting wide receiver, questionable. And then Deshaun Jackson is on IR. He's going to be out for the regular season, but if mm-hmm. they make playoffs, he can become active. So, I mean, 5-5, five and five, and I think their remaining schedule, they have uh, – so I told you with the Cowboys, they have the Patriots, Bills, Bears, Rams, Eagles, Redskins. The Eagles have the Seahawks this week. Then they have the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, then the Cowboys and the Giants. So four of those are very winnable games. Dolphins, yeah, they can Giants, easily they can easily go five. They can easily go undefeated this for the last six games of the season. Yeah. Well, I, I think we'll get into that later. I wouldn't as say well. easily, but I would say they could. They have a chance to go five or yeah, six and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll definitely see. But I, that's why I have them taking the division from the Cowboys. Um. So let's move on to the Packers sitting at eight and two right now. Uh, I have them as contenders, but I'm kind of skeptical about it. Kind of iffy about it. And a lot of people are given saying that Packers are going to come out of the NFC. I don't see it. Oh, I see you nodding your head. So go ahead. Talk to me. Yeah, man, I have the Packers as contenders, but I have them contenders for an actual ring this season. I really like their play. I really like what Aaron Jones has done this season. I feel like he's that team's MVP this season, aside from Aaron Rodgers, just because he's done so much on the ground game and the passing game to help them win games. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I didn't think he would keep it up for maybe more than two games this season, but he's done it damn near the entire season, just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, big play, big play. And not even Aaron. I mean, Aaron Jones, yes, of course. Yeah. But you have Jamal Williams too, probably the best backup running back, arguably the best backup running back in the league. Actually, he's like a change of pace back for them too. That's what I'm saying. He's a pass catcher. He can still run between tackles, go outside. Like, so he's a hell of a player too. So I think Rodgers finally has a run game behind him. If only he had some damn receivers to throw the ball to. I mean, Devontae Adams is finally healthy, finally coming off that toe injury. So we'll see how it goes for the rest of the season. But that's kind of why I have them going, maybe getting a ring this season, just because they're finally becoming healthy on that offensive side. And Rodgers has still had a great season for his like for his standards with a new coaching staff, with a new offense again. I mean, I can see them going all the way. And that defense, the defense has been surprising for me too. So, actually, so, so like the Cowboys, this week they have – a contending team they have the Niners and mm-hmm. I think Sunday's going to be a real test of whether they are contenders or pretenders on Sunday night football but uh I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win their division against the Vikings but I don't think they get that first round by I think it's gonna go to the Niners and Saints to be honest I think those mm-hmm. those teams are gonna get a first round by and I think that's gonna be a big component to why they potentially don't get to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and um I'm kind of skeptical only because they they beat the Chiefs, yes, which was big. But, I mean, they didn't beat the Eagles, which was kind of controversial on Thursday Night Football with all those missed passing interference calls. But it went mm-hmm. both ways. And then you see their defense have, like, flashes of, like, Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. But then you see flashes of, like, the I would even say more so flashes of, like, the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah. They're ranked thir- 28th in defensive yards per game. Mm-hmm. That's not going to win you a championship. That's mm-hmm. why I have them contender with, like, I'm kind of skeptical about it, but... I think their offense, like, as long as you have Aaron Rodgers in the backfield or uh, behind the center, you have a real chance of contending, which is why I still have them as a contender. And then, like you said, they finally have a run game. But 
this defense better step the hell up if they really want to Yeah, that's win a bad it. man you're going to count out, bro. I'm telling you that right now. Who, Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, man. That's why I said. That's why I have them it's as contenders. But I have them as contenders because of Aaron Rodgers. But I, right now, I'm, I'm – don't want to give it to them like fully just because that defense, our offense. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers makes it work with whatever damn receivers he can pick a receiver up off the street, and he will make him have a, he, shit. Hey, sign, sign me, me. Aaron Rodgers. I know <laughs> I'll get a thousand yards for you. Um, <laughs> actually, hold on, let me chill. Let me chill. <laughs> Relax, buddy. Relax. But yeah, so that, that's what I'm saying. That's why I have him as contenders, but mm-hmm. a little iffy about it just because of their defense. Um, let's move on to their division rivals, the Vikings, contender or pretender. Um, I'm going to say pretender. I do not trust Kirk Cousins at all when it comes to big game situations. Uh, that's about it. That's my only reason. I do not trust Kirk Cousins at all. <laughs> do you like that? <laughs> uh, yeah. I have him as pretender, but they're kind of fringe p- pretender contender for me. I mean, they really haven't beat anybody that impressed me except the Eagles and the Cowboys, but they lost to the Chiefs, lost to the Bears, lost mm-hmm. to the Packers. Two contending teams right there with they the Chiefs and the Packers. They lost to the Bears, who have no offense. The, the and Bears, the Vikings have the Bears a great are defense, di- too. Bears are a different story. I'm not even going <laughs> to... Yeah, we're not getting into that. Bears are crazy. But they're on a bye week this week, sitting at 8-3, and three, a half game behind the Packers for the division. Uh, and they're going to be playing the Seahawks coming off the bye week, so that's going to be a really mm-hmm. interesting matchup to watch out for. Mm-hmm. And then they play the Packers week 16, like the Cowboys... Eagles week 16 I think that could definitely be a game that is for the division as well mm-hmm. but to your credit you said what Kirk Cousins you don't trust Kirk, him I do not trust Kirk Cousins at all the guy's been hot he's hot been as hot a yeah of course he's been hot ever since that Thursday night game fire, ever dude. since that Thursday night game I believe oh, who was it against oh uh, but yeah ever the since Redskins? Against, yeah Redskins against that Thursday night game ever since then because he had a terrible game that game but Redskins have kind of a little bit of an underrated defense in a way but but bro, Ever since then, he, get, yes, he has been on fire. Get this. Last seven games, 2,000 passing yards, 18 touchdowns, one interceptions. And four of those games, he's done it without Adam Thielen. Without his best receiver in Adam Thielen. I do not care. I do not trust Kirk Cousins in big games. They have situations. the 15th best defense in the league right now, too. That's why I think they're fringe contender pretender because, I mean. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I like some of the Vikings players on that team. Like I like their defense. I like Everson Griffin, Harrison Smith, great player. But... I don't know. I'm going to give you I all those know. stats about Kirk Cousins and then say they're pretenders. <laughs> they're pretenders. Yeah, exactly. They're, pre- they're pretenders. Exactly. That's the same too. thing you're saying about the Cowboys, how they have you, you gave us their points for points against, and you think they'd be contenders. But they're 8-3. But... and three. They have the record to back it up. They've beaten teams that they should be. Of course. But so. at the same time, I mean, I just I can't trust that man. I can't. I could see it. I, I can't. Could, I could I don't see why know. you don't. But, I mean, that's why they're fringe for me. Right now, I do have them in the pretender bracket, but they could, if they if they win that division, hell, they could change my mind. Plus, I started up in fantasy one week, lost me the game, now I'm out of the playoffs. So <laughs> don't trust that man at all with my life. <laughs> all right, let's move on <laughs> to the Saints sitting at 8-2. and two. I have them as contender. Uh, sixth best defense in the league, best wide receiver in the entire league, Hall of Famer quarterback, top running back in the league, one of the best coaches in the league. Everything that I just said yells out contender. Are you a Saints fan? No, but... <laughs> They, this is my team that I have coming out the NFC in the Super really? Bowl. I have the Saints coming out of the mm-hmm. NFC and playing in the Super Bowl because of the things I just listed. I mean, yes, they lost to the Falcons, raised a big question mark. But they didn't get, they didn't lose to the Falcons. They got smacked, slaughtered by the Falcons. But I feel like the Falcons always play well. The against Falcons the had like eight sacks against them. Yeah, but they had two picks on them. They, they're still they, the Saints played horrible against the Falcons. My guy, they're still eight and one outside of that game. Doesn't matter. So, 
I mean, they have the 49ers in two weeks and the Colts the week after that. So those will be like true tests of whether they can finish out with the best record in the NFC, but and get that first round by. But I, I have them coming out the NFC and let, let's just talk about Michael Thomas real quick. 94 receptions through 10 games. Yeah, that's crazy. 1,141 yards and five touchdowns through 10 games. He's on pace to break Marvin Harrison's reception record of 143. He's on pace for 150. That guy's in the MVP conversation. Oh, yeah. I, I actually have him top five as well. Um, yeah, I have Michael Thomas top five MVP for me just because he's a key reason on why they're eight and two. I have him as a contender as well. I love Drew Brees. He's probably my favorite quarterback of all time. Um, but again, it's it comes down to execution for me. And I feel like the Packers can actually execute a game plan better than the better than the Saints can. And that's why I kind of have the Packers going out of the out of the NFC. But Saints I are a great team. Don't get me wrong. Don't get defense. me wrong. The they Saints do have, have the a defense, defense, unlike the Packers. They do have a defense, but I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I think they're. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. You've heard the phrase "defense win championships." And it's they not, had a good defense last season. What happened? They got hold on a freaking passing think, interference I think, call. I think, I think they're gonna have some type of a. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, again. but then again, that's not their fault. It's very Saints. That's not it's their very. Fault. It's a very Saints thing to do to give up some type of player big call. In a championship game, I mean, two seasons ago, think look at what happened with the Vikings. Yeah, Vikings with Stephon the Diggs that walk off touchdown. Minnesota miracle. Oh man, I mean, that's not their fault. I mean, yeah, Minnesota. Uh, uh, Minnesota no, Minnesota miracle was. Yeah, but you're really gonna put yeah, the, the John, Rams, yeah, the Saints, yeah, Rams the on it? That's not last on season. That was that was ridiculous. It was ridiculous, and I think that's the only reason why the NFL came out with that. Uh, ch- like, what was it? Challenging pass interference plays. But Bullshit. I mean, obviously, it hasn't worked at all this season. So I don't know what's gonna happen. I like the Saints. Trust me. Don't get me wrong. I have them contenders, but I can't see them making it to the big game. We shall see. They do have a Hall of Fame quarterback and coach on that team, so we'll definitely see. Um, let's move on to the Niners. Nine and one, best team in the NF or best record in the NFC right now. Contender or pretender? Contender. Same. I have them in contender, but the biggest thing is, in my opinion, they have the toughest remaining schedule in the NFL, and I think that will be a true test of whether they'll be able to. Get that first round by, or even hang in the playoffs or not. So they have the Packers this week Sunday Night Football. Then they have at Ravens, at Saints, then the Falcons at home, Rams at home, and then at Seattle. That's a tough, tough schedule. This right is going to be a big test for Jimmy G to see if he's if he's if he's actually can live up to all the hype and all the talk around him. And that defense too. They're going up against stellar offenses: Packers, I, Ravens, I Saints, I have Seattle. Faith in that defense, I do. That's probably why I have mass contenders. Now, no, yeah, I know, but it, that it all relies on Jimmy G for me. If Jimmy G can play well, they can knock out they can knock out my favorite and the Packers to go to the to go to the Super Bowl. But it really depends on him. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is healthy this season coming back in. Uh, you have Tevin Coleman, you have Matt Breda, a great running game. It it really depends if it really yeah it just depends if Jimmy G can sling that ball around the field and get him some points. Yeah, I mean, you have Nick Bosa in contention. He's probably gonna win. he's gonna win rookie of the year for defense for sure. And, I, and he's I, obviously defense player, of the year. defense player of the year. He's in that conversation as well. And then Top three. you have Kyle Shanahan as coach of the year contention mm-hmm. as well too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this offense has been clicking all season, and then this defense has been great all season too. And then, like you said, Emmanuel Sanders, which I think was one of the best in season trades this season. I, I mean, agree. One of the best because I, I would mean, say got- Marcus Peters to the Ravens, and then. Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. That's kind of. I like, think the biggest difference maker for a team was Sanders because it gives yes. Jimmy G that safety blanket he needed as a receiver. But see, that's why I'm like Kittle's been out for about for about three seasons, Marcus three Peters, weeks now. Dude, Marcus Peters is up there. He's, okay, what about what about uh, Minka? Minka Fitzpatrick for, for he for, has too. for Pittsburgh. Yeah, he has too for sure. I'd put him up there as well. 
I for sure would put him up there. But yeah, offensively, see- offensively, he definitely has to go to Emmanuel Sanders. He's been that guy. I mean, he's been banged up the past two weeks, but he's been that guy that Jimmy G can rely on, especially exactly. like you said, with George Kittle being injury prone this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, that guy who you can check it down and get you that first down, mm-hmm. that safety blanket kind of a thing. So let's talk about their uh, division rivals, uh, Rams, six and four, contender, pretender. Rams are pretenders, man. Yeah. I think they really got exploited from that Super Bowl game, and they haven't been the same since. I think it kind of gave McVay a, uh, an eye open, uh, eye, like an awakening type of thing where, oh, crap, what do I do? <laughs> I think they're a pretender just because of Jared Goff. I, I think that guy forgot to throw how, how to throw a football. Did he ever know? He, he, did, he was just, almost I'm MVP last year. He was top three MVP last year, for sure. He was having a hell of a season, but I think – Sean McVay and that defense can only save him so much, and now you're yeah. starting to see that. So. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, they have Aaron Donald. They got Eric Weddle, Jalen Ramsey. I'll tell you this right now. They're not winning the division. That's that's a given. Oh, yeah. With I the mean, Niners, do they even make the, the wild card? That's what I'm saying. So the thing is, you have the Niners and you have the Seahawks. They're both making the playoffs, whether it's wild card or division leader. And then you have the Vikings, Packers, both making the playoffs whether uh, wild card or division leader. So, I mean, there's no space for the Rams to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've lost to the Bucks. They let the Bucks put up 55 points on them. <laughs> 55. Jameis, Jameis Winston was eating Adobe. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. He had a couple. And they lost to the Seahawks, Niners, and then Steelers. And their remaining schedule isn't favorable as well. Ravens and then at Cardinals. Seahawks. I'm excited for that game. Ravens, Rams? Yeah. Me, nice. me and J- Johnny are definitely going to be going to that Monday night football game. Uh Cause you know I got to see my Ravens, um, and then Cowboys, Niners, Cardinals. So I mean, it's not a walk in the park for them, definitely. And uh, yeah, I, defense and McVay can only save them so much, which yeah. is why for me, I'm not I'm not buying into them. Me either. And it sucks because of the hometown team here in LA, but just can't do it. Same thing with the Chargers. Can't do it. Can't buy into them. No way. Honestly, Chargers been one of the biggest disappointments this season for me just because yeah. I honestly very, I, I had very, him I had him in the Super Bowl like before the season unlucky. started yeah before very the season unlucky. started I had him in the Super Bowl what is it all of their losses are within one t- one score but I mean freaking Philip Rivers has thrown seven interceptions in two games <laughs> he just needs to focus on having more kids making a football team out of his kids man for, yeah, for real he has a, he, he, how close he is to a 50 man roster now <laughs> damn near uh, alright last team Seahawks eight and two contender or pretender. I'm gonna say they're contender. They have the MVP on their team. They got Russell Wilson slinging the ball around. Actually got a win. So that one loss for the Niners against Russell Wilson. Great game by the way. That was a Monday night about two weeks ago. Uh, I have him as a contender. Tyler Lockett's hopefully gonna be healthy this week again. Hopefully healthy this week against the Eagles. So we'll see. They just added Josh Gordon two weeks into that playbook, and then their defense has been decent. It's not where it used to be. It's not great, but it can get them. It can win them a game. So, the Niners game, yes, they they did win in very impressive performance by that entire team. But if Chase McLaughlin makes that field goal, it's yeah. a completely different story. We're not talking about that. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Like we're not. Yeah, if Robbie Gold, if Robbie Gold was there, if Robbie been, Gold's yeah, there, they're yeah, winning that was, game. You know that. Yeah, and I Niners agree. are still undefeated. So I mean, and that could just change the whole outcome. But MVP. I can agree with you. I mean, I still have Lamar Jackson, but I 
it's a 1A, 1B kind of a yeah. thing. That's how good Russell Wilson has been this entire season. 2,737 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. The best QBR in and all of football. I think both of those interceptions, interceptions came against the, against the Niners, too. No, one came against the the Ravens. Oh, yeah. The pick one six was, by Marcus Peters. That's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I remember. I got it, I got <laughs> it in the archives. I got how it in the archives. That was his debut. It's his most watched play on YouTube, guys. That was his debut. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think they have a tough remaining schedule. Definitely all losable games, so it's not a walk in the park for them. They have the Eagles, the Vikings, the Rams, Panthers, Cardinals, Niners. All those games are losable. It's not a, It's not like a just walk in and win kind of a thing. The Cardinals will definitely put up a fight. Panthers could put up a fight depending what the hell they do at quarterback. Well, I mean, no, Cam Newton's on yeah. IR, so yeah. it's going to no, be Kyle Allen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Niners, Rams, Vikings, Eagles, those are all really tough games. Mm. But I got faith in Russell. For me, it's kind, of the, it's kind of the Green Bay situation. It comes down to their defense. They have a great offense, but it all comes down to their defense. And that's why if I put – the Packers in contender, I'm going to put the Seahawks in pretender. Because mm. that, that defense. I just think the Packers' offense is better, which is what puts them in the contender, but that's why I don't put the Seahawks. But their defense is damn near on the same level. Um, Packers are ranked 28th. Uh, Seahawks are ranked 25th. So he could walk away with the MVP, but it could be all for nothing. Ooh, that's a good one. So... Since we're on the topic of Seahawks, let's talk about this week's game of the week. We have Seahawks versus the Eagles, Bird versus Bird. Who you got? Now, you see, I love my boy Russell, but I really like the Eagles this week, guys. I Something about it, I think Carson Wentz is going to have a big redemption game, mainly because, like Kush was saying, that defense for Seattle is kind of subpar. I think I said a little bit about it, too. Um, but, yeah, hopefully. Oh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't say my phrase. Seattle, we got a deal. <laughs> Go Hawks. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Best video, best video. Yeah, but I mean, you should have, win the MVP just off that video I know, alone, right? just because of that. Um, but I have, I have the Eagles winning this week. Um, I really think if Alshon Jeffries healthy and can play this week, he gives Seattle a big, a big test. Um, and that defense really stepped up against last week against the against the Pats too. Now it can go either way. It's fifty fifty for me, but I have the Eagles out, out on top. Um, I'm actually gonna say it's gonna be a thirty five twenty one game Eagles. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but mm-hmm. I, I have the Eagles winning as well. I mean, Russell Wilson's going to be Russell Wilson. He's going to have a field day against that secondary for sure. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Seattle is they also rely heavily on that run game. Russell Wilson is so damn efficient that it makes it seem like they're a pass-heavy offense, but he's just that efficient. Yeah, that, but Chris Carson's damn near had 100 yards every single week. Right, but Philly is fourth in rush yards mm-hmm. allowed. They've shut mm-hmm. down Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. They've shut down uh they'll, they'll probably shut down Chris Carson. I mean, they've shut down Ezekiel Elliott. So, I mean, this It's no joke. So, yeah. And Seattle thrives off their run game. So, that's why I think they might neutralize Chris Carson, which forces Russell Wilson to make plays which he definitely can. Oh yeah. He but can. I think that offense is going to step it up for the Eagles and definitely win this game. But the big 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 thing is is well, before that the Seahawks are coming off a bye week. They had a bye week last week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that that could definitely help them longer game planning. But the big thing is the injury report. Seattle, Tyler Lockett's questionable. Jadavion Clowney is questionable. Ed Dixon and Luke Wilson, their two tight ends are questionable. Dwayne Brown, their starting left tackles, questionable. Mike Upati's questionable. KJ Wright's questionable. And then for Philly, you have, like I said, Aguilar, Jeffrey, Jordan Howers, Jason Peters, and Lane Johnson, all yeah. questionable. So, I mean, 
Because let's say this injury report stays. I think, and, I think and we're in that time of the season where a lot of players are questionable on a lot of teams. So, I mean, I can see, I think, 75% of each of those players playing per team. Right, so but we'll let's say the thing is, let's say Aguilar and Jeffrey doesn't play, or even if Aguilar does play and Jeffrey doesn't play, I think that's going to be a bigger loss, is all Seattle really has to do is focus in on Zach Ertz. If they mm-hmm. can neutralize Zach Ertz, I think Seattle could definitely have a chance to win this game. Yep. Zach Ertz has been having a great like a great past three four games three, yeah. four game span, which is so, why I think. But that's because Jeffrey has been uh, and Aguilar have been working on outside the numbers, and yeah. and yeah. Zach Ertz has been carving up the middle of that field. So mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the Seattle um, if they neutralize game. Zach Ertz, they'll definitely have to force Wentz to throw outside the numbers. But uh, Philly is favored by in this game by really? uh, minus one. That's surprising. All right, I'll put I'll put. Well, I mean, it's because because it's in Philadelphia. I uh, gotcha. So that's why. And I gotcha. think Seattle, in my opinion, Seattle needs this win more than Philly. Because Seattle uh, has a because if you look at it, Philly has Giants twice, Redskins. And, but I've, and I, I think, think the Philly, Jets, yeah. Philly needs to win out to win that division, honestly. No way. Yes. Because I think Cowboys are losing this week too against the Patriots. So if they both lose out, and then that's why I'm saying come week sixteen, that's gonna be the division game. We'll see. We'll see. So that's why. We'll see. So I think this game is going to decide whether Philly is a contender or pretender. It's going to be a hard-fought game. Let's say that because both both teams need this. Yeah, for both sure. Both teams need this. So yeah. All right. Enough of the NFL. Let's move on to the NBA. We're a month into the season, and my boy Paul George is back. He's uh, four games in, and uh, he's hooping. He's been hooping big time. First two games, only played 44 minutes, dropped 70 points. That's yeah, that's crazy. I mean, what he had. I think a lot of people forgot that this guy was third in MVP voting last year mm-hmm. with a messed up shoulder. The guy yeah. got off-season shoulder surgery, and he even said it himself. He's like, I feel like I have two brand new pairs of shoulders. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and he's hooping this season. And I think he adds another scoring threat. He's he. I think he could potentially go as like, let's say he was what top fifteen player, top ten player, maybe last well, season. Yeah, no, I'm saying in general, oh, right in general, now, right now, yeah, top fifteen, yeah, top ten. Top I'll 10. give him top 10. Okay, so top 10. I think he potentially even goes top 7 this season. I think if if wow. he, he can push it. I mean I think top 10 is where he stays honestly. But the thing is it's it has it, this this defensive chemistry is lacking. But I think that's going to take some time. I think the chemistry in general right now is lacking for the Clippers, which is why they and their record shows it honestly. I mean Well, I think their record shows it because of injuries. Well, Kawhi yeah, sat out so many times. Paul George sat out. Of course. But I think it'll take him it'll take him a couple weeks and they have Doc Rivers as a coach who mm-hmm. can definitely get that team back together. But I mean, there's so I many mean, scoring threats on this offense. Is, ten and five is not bad. It's still great. Yeah. It's still good. I mean, double digits for in the first fifteen games of the season. That's great. And they're only gonna be getting better, like you were saying. I mean, you have Doc Rivers, you got Paul George coming Just back. Just look healthy. at their scoring threats. They have you take you take Kawhi away, you have Paul George. You take Paul George away, you have Lou Williams. You take Lou Williams away, you have Montrezl Harold. You this team can beat you in almost any way. And they have key role and they have role players making key shots. And you and take can, you yeah. take you take Montrezl Harold away, you got Patrick Beverly. Stop. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Stop. Let me chill. <laughs> Oh hey, my God. he was hooping. Oh he was God. hooping. So let's actually get into that. Uh, PG thirteen and Kawhi Leonard finally played together for the first time. It was Celtics versus the Clippers, and the Celtics were the number one. They still are the number one team in the Eastern Conference. They were eleven and two coming into this game, and yeah, Patrick Beverly had a hell of a game. Oh yeah, I mean, amazing that game. key three in overtime. You and see in, him, you and s- in the fourth quarter. Yeah, in the fourth quarter. I mean, all game he was making some good corner threes. They had sixteen rebounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a guard, he had 16 Six rebounds. One. 
16 as a rebounds. Guard, as a guard, had 16 rebounds. That just tells you how 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 high his motor is and how good his hustle is. Yeah. I mean, all he does is he just keeps moving around that court, like Russell said. He doesn't play defense. He just moves. But I <laughs> but I will say there was a sloppy sloppy game for both teams. Yeah. Uh, Celtics shot 39.4% from the field, 26% from three-pointers, 18 turnovers, 22 fouls, and uh, 65 rebounds, though. And I'll get to the rebounds in a second. And the Clippers shot about 42% from the field, 37% from three-pointers, 23 turnovers, 18 fouls, and 60 rebounds. So that's just a sloppy, sloppy game. That's, like, wow. terrible. It was, it was 107 to 105, and yeah. that was and overtime. with overtime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with overtime. But know, back, back to that, back to that rebound, looking... back to the rebound statistic, the number one team in rebounds per game is the Bucks, and they're averaging 52. Clippers had 60. The Celtics with had the 65. With, with the guard having 16 of those. That, no, but that 60, just goes yeah. to show how sloppy the game was. Everyone yeah. was just missing, breaking mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, this. I mean, they're both a second staple center outside. But <laughs> this, uh, that game was sloppy, but I mean, obviously, it's the first game with Kawhi and PG. It was a great game. But if you looked in the fourth quarter in overtime, the Clippers locked down. Kawhi was playing oh, yeah. like MVP, Finals MVP. Yeah, Kemba like had, Kemba had a good look at the end of the game to get that. I think Brad Stevens came out and said he said any other player in this league, you probably get that shot off of. Mm-hmm. But since it's Kawhi, you're not mm-hmm. getting that shot off. That mm-hmm. guy rose. Yeah, like it was like a Zion Williamson against DeAndre Hunter type block. <laughs> Back in uh, college, like, yeah, that's how bad it. Like it was crazy, mm-hmm. but and then Paul George compared, was even compared. like fighting over screens and everything, except when he got dropped by Jason Tatum. That was I disgusting. Think, yes, he got dropped. His foot got tangled, and there's a little bit of push on Tatum's end, but still, still, you're an elite defender. You does I'm not, not make, to I'm you. not making excuses. Does for not that. happen to you. Um, now Jason Tatum hooped that game. Yeah, he did. Jason Tatum's pretty. Is is he's good. The, the Celtics have a very bright future with him. He's only 21. <laughs> I know. Um. But yeah, a lot of chemistry that needs to be sorted out with the Clippers, and I think they'll definitely be able to do that. Um, but yeah, that fourth quarter and overtime defense, that's going to mm-hmm. be the defense played all four, 48 minutes come yeah, April, June, that's July. That's April, crazy. June, July. So the NBA's got to watch out for the Clippers. Stop sleeping on them. I know they've had a tough start, not what everyone's expected, but looking at their situation, yeah. chill out. All right, next thing we got. Mr. Carmelo Anthony is finally signed with a team. Let's go. My boy Melo signed with the Trailblazers. Still kind of unsure about it, like whether I like it or I'm not. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. I'm but happy like, for him. A lot, for first him. of all, a lot of people are hating on Melo, and that's how I could tell who are new NBA fans. Yeah, I, of course. Of Melo course, used I mean, to be a walk-in bucket in his prime. I used to Put have, some respect on his damn name. I used to name. have his shoes when I was in elementary school, man. The Melo ones were hot. You had the blue ones, the red ones, the black and blue ones. Yeah, Melo came out with some dope Jordan kicks. He did. He did. He did. But, man, um, I mean, Melo, first game, I was pretty upset on how Portland used him. I'm not going to lie. So that's the whole thing is Portland. Do you even like that fit? Yeah, I do because I feel like Portland's a very ISO-heavy team when it comes to having CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. They're going to get themselves a bucket. And adding Carmelo to that mix gets them another player that can do that for them. Um but it's gonna take shots away from Mel. It's gonna take shots away from McCollum, Lillard, possibly Ronnie Hood. Uh, it's it's tough. It's a tough one for me. But that's why I, I just think, like it because they added the, the score. They the, added a pure score. Yeah, but just he, he can't really catch and shoot. Like you said, he's an ISO. He's the guy that needs to dribble twenty times in a shot clock. So that's another thing, though. So yes, the first game he played pretty bad. He looked I mean, solid in the first he was quarter. Two, he was two from three in spot up shots, though. Yeah, he spot he was up solid. threes, and then it just looked like. 
okay, this guy hasn't been playing for a while and his legs yeah. just started and getting you tired. It. You and saw he, it. That's why he I was ended like, up with four for 14 after going two for three. That's why I was so I was so surprised that they played him 24 minutes in that game, or I believe 24, 26 minutes in that game. His first game back, I know you want to get him out there, get him going, but you're going to overuse him. He Obviously, he's in a, he's in a, his legs were tired, like you said. He's in a, his percentage is going to go down. He did not look good towards the end of the game, and it showed. That's why they Se- lost. The second game, he looked kind of better. Uh, yeah, played against the Bucks, but he, what do you again have? he went six for fifteen. So mm-hmm. six for fifteen. I mean, a it's little not bit better. Eighteen four, 14, points. Six, 15, yeah, it's but that better. was also against the Bucks. The Bucks play some yeah. damn good defense. But the thing for me is, I'm not gonna lie. I love Melo, but he's washed. He's washed Whoa. for sure. I think I, think, I, think, I, don't, I don't think, think he, he's washed. I think he can still be a reliable player for some teams. But the but thing I think is, that his, his mentality, trips, his mentality yeah. the whole thing is, he needs to be like a Dwight Howard and accept his role kind I of agree. a thing. Like Dwight Howard, you see how much he's flourished with the Lakers. Like He realizes he's not going to get that many touches, if any touches in the post. He's going he to set the pick. Though. He's going to get the yeah. rebound. He's going to make play defense. That's all the Lakers need him for, and he's doing mm-hmm. that exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. And I think what Melo needs to understand is that he's not going to be an ISO guy anymore. Yeah, he's not going to get the ball in the post anymore. Exactly. And I think the thing why Melo, I think he is so washed is because, first of all, the guy hasn't played in a year. And second of all, when he was playing, he was hopping around on teams. He never had a good amount of time on a team to solidify his role on a team or try to adapt his role. But also his mentality back then was like, I could still hoop. Yeah, like I could, I, I could still be the number Waller one scoring option bench. on this team. Yeah. Like forget Harden, forget Lillard kind of a thing. Like I could still be the number one scorer. That was mm-hmm. his mentality. He can't have that mentality if he still wants to play in the NBA today. And if he wants to win a ring, he cannot be doing that. Exactly. So, I mean, we'll see how he does in Portland. I don't personally like the fit in Portland because, I mean – you're like you said, he's taking the shots away from McCollum and Lillard. And if he's going to be same old Carmelo Anthony, where he thinks he can still be the number one scorer on the team, it's just going to be all bad. And the Trailblazers are not looking good right now as well. Well, Lillard's been out the past two games for them too, so I mean still. it's kind of tough. Um, but I feel like they're just trying to get his his legs back under him, give him some confidence in his shot, which I can see them doing. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, we've got a lot of season ahead of us, only a month in, so yeah, we're so good. Um. So there's one free agent who's still a free agent who um, I'm not really cool with because this guy is still a walking bucket. This guy, uh, his last NBA game he ever played dropped 50 points. A 50-piece. 50, last 50 points. That's ridiculous. You guys know him as Jamal Crawford, a.k.a. J. Crossover. He did have a down year last year. He only shot 40% from the field, 33 from three-pointer, average eight points. But this guy can go practically on any bench in the NBA and still be a spark plug off that bench and Mm -hmm. get you a bucket. And a Mm -hmm. lot of teams can use him. I mean, he's 39 years old and no, no disrespect to Vince Carter. If Vince Carter can have a job, Jamal Crawford can have a job. I agree. But I think Vince Carter's a different type because he's turned himself into a three and D type of player, maybe even a stretch big because he's, he's heavier now. Can't really get up. Well, I mean, that's how it's always been. Vince Carter and him never really had the same play style. I mean, that's a, that's like a, that's a different type of comparison, honestly. You can say I'm I'm saying just the age aspect. If age is the reason why you're not signing him, that's oh, BS. Yeah. Because yeah. Jamal okay, Crawford yeah. is still good at what he does. I agree. At the age of 39, Vince Carter is still good at what he does at the age of 40, 41. Where I think he's 41. Uh, I think he's like 55 now. Yeah, probably right, something like that. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Is like at 39, he can so still give who, you a bucket off the who bench. Who do you think would be his best fit for a team then? If you, if you're a, if you're a GM of a team right now, say my number one team right now that he would fit best with is 76ers philadelphia mm. 76ers they need mm. to score off the bench badly their number one scorer is who 
Mike Scott. Off the bench? Yeah. Probably. Their starting lineup is heavy. Great. Mm-hmm. Top to bottom. Great. But off the bench, they really have no one. It's because they lost J.J. Redick. That was their main guy. And they lost T.J. McConnell. Mm-hmm. T.J. McConnell. And they lost... Uh, who did they lose? Who's their big man? They lost Boban. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I mean, I wouldn't say Boban's a score, but he's still a solid. Yeah, I mean, they have Kyle Quinn. Yeah. They have Kyle yeah. Quinn. That's not a bad replacement. But they need a definite score off that bench. And that's why I think Jamal Crawford would definitely help them. And then a couple other teams I have are the Warriors. Because, I mean, what the hell do the Warriors have to lose? I feel like that would mess up with their future plans if they added Jamal Crawford. Just because they're rookies. Like, they're young guys. I could see that. They're getting a lot of experience this season. And I was actually telling you this the other night. I was trying to, but you didn't listen to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I was trying to tell them this the other night. I feel like this is actually setting them up for a great season next year because they're going to see what pieces really fit around the players they have now, such as like Curry Thompson, yeah. uh, D'Angelo, Draymond. I can tell you right now, Pascal's going to stay there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But, I mean, it's just – it's it's. I'm happy to see it as a fan of the NBA, honestly. You got Draymond Green starting at point guard. You could use Jamal Crawford. Come on. But Draymond Green starting at point <laughs> Oh, my God. Um. But yeah, and then a couple other teams, Bucks. George Hill is really their only playmaker slash shot creator off their bench. Yeah, I mean, they have Kyle Korver, but Kyle Korver, Kyle Korver, Divincenzo, who's a nice, he's, he's a sharpshooter too when he gets open. But I mean, but, I think I think Crawford would definitely stretch the floor for the Bucks mm-hmm. as well. He's not a great catch and shoot guy, but I mean, coming off the bench, you just give him 15, 18 minutes a game, like he can get you like eight, ten points a game, yeah. and that's what you just need. give him the ball and say go. And then. The last team I have is this is kind of a maybe though I'm not really sold on this but I kind of like it is the Jazz, just because I think at this point Dante Exum is not the answer. I think you gotta trade him while his, he still has whatever value he still has. And he's still fairly young too, so he could blossom. He's only like 25. Yeah, he's very young. He came into the league I think at 18 or 19. Yeah. Um, but also I mean Moutier, he's not great either. Moutier has a spurts. Moutier has a spurts, but he's very inconsistent just because, like, he'll go off for 20 points off the bench one game, and then next game he'll have two points, going, Mm -hmm. like, one for five. Mm -hmm. So I think Jamal Crawford could definitely – and then he can also mentor uh, uh, Donovan Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell? Yeah. Donovan Mitchell right there. Yeah, I mean, if – actually, yeah, if you put Jamal Crawford, have a mentor Donovan Mitchell, his layup package is already nice, it'd be even better. That's what I'm saying. Oh, man. Basically, a stronger – Actually, no, I'm not going to say all that because Jamal Crawford definitely has better handles, like, hands down. Yes, but relax, bro. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Donovan – well, I was going to say Jamal Crawford with athleticism. That's what you would have, but you wouldn't. he wouldn't have the handles. But yeah. not discrediting uh, Donovan Crawford. Mitchell's yeah. handles. But, yeah, those are my teams. What about you? Uh, for me personally, honestly, when it comes to Jamal Crawford, I'm probably going to say Toronto off the bench. I'm going to say Toronto. I mean, outside of their outside of their starting lineup with Fan Fleet, they don't really have a player on the bench that can go out there and facilitate the offense, stretch the fuck you were saying. What? Norman Powell? Yeah. I mean, they have Kyle Lowry too, but I, would like, I would like to see yeah, I don't know, even if he starts, and then that Chris uh, Boucher dude has been balling. Mm. I mm. don't know. I think they're just so guard-heavy off the mm. bench with Van Fleet and uh, Norman Powell that I just don't think he really fits. Like, I feel like he's not going to get a lot of time. It's going to be a waste for him kind of a thing. Get him on a team. Yeah, that he needs, he needs to get on the team for sure, though. All right, so Johnny over here is a Thunders fan, so let's talk about the Thunders. Um, how are you feeling about the Thunders this season? Do you like or the, just the franchise in general? Do you like their where they're going? Do you like? Do you not like it? I like what I see so far. I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan, obviously, so I'm gonna be upset when they lose, but it's not to the point where I hate them. You know, 
Um, I was one of the people that was a strong believer after they lost to Portland to trade Westbrook, possibly build around Paul George. Obviously, it didn't happen that way for us. And, I'm, <laughs> and I was pretty upset when it happened. But with the return we got, I'm, I'm excited for the future just because we have a we have a stockpile of draft picks. We have a great young player in Shea Gilchrist Alexander. Um, I miss you, Shea. Uh, you know, we've been we've been we've been balling this season. We've been holding some good teams to some low scoring averages. I mean, we have one of the better defensive ratings in the league as well, uh, which is a testament to how how much we hustle on the defensive end and how much we how, and how we play together as a group. Um, now, the only thing I can say is uh, Billy Donovan. He's been last season. He was known for coaching us to some narrow victories. Now he's coaching us to some narrow losses. And I do not like that. Mainly because I don't think he's putting the ball into the right playmakers' hands when it comes to like when it comes to getting the buck at the end of the game. Who do you think it should be getting the getting the last shot? Honestly, I'm gonna say da- I'm gonna say uh, Gallo or uh-huh. Gallinari. Yeah. Uh, which he had a great look against the Clippers. That was a great game in general. I think we lost uh, 89-88, and Gallo had a great look at the end. He tried to call he tried to call a he's high still, pick and roll. He's still on the Clippers payroll. That's why he missed on purpose. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Relax, bro. Relax. He did not miss on. No, purpose. but he had a good look. For yeah, he sure. had a good look. He tried to call a pick and roll to switch on Montrez. Hopefully, he was hoping Montrez was going to step up so he can try and draw a foul. No, Montrez, Montrez stayed. Back. Yeah, no, he was, no. Gallo was hoping Montrez was going to stay. Yeah. He was going to come up. Montrez stayed back, giving him that wide open like maybe that surprised it's him. Like a, yeah, it surprised him because he thought he was going to pull up. So I think he rushed the shot a little bit, thinking he had less time than he did. But honestly, all in all, I'm pretty happy with the season so far. They've given me some hope for the future. Um, I, I mean, really those think, draft picks itself should just give you hope. Yeah, we're twelfth right now, and we're twelfth right now at five and nine. But honestly, with how we've lost, we've lost some really close games. I think three or four of our losses have come within three points. Yeah, I was gonna say you guys are beating the teams you should beat, but then those game. I mean, you guys are also losing some games you guys should win. Mm-hmm. But it's impressed me at how, what you guys have been doing against contending teams the clippers yeah. you almost beat the lakers you almost beat you beat the the sixers in the mm-hmm. in overtime right mm-hmm. and then the Great bucks game. the bucks you almost beat too mm-hmm. so i mean you guys are putting up fights against these teams and i mean i don't know if i would really get put it all on billy donovan because i mean like the thing is he's dealing with such an injury prone team I mean, you have Audrey, obviously Andre Roberson whenever he comes back, and then Chris Paul is known to be have injury history. Gallinari is known mean, to be have injury history. All we're history. missing right now is Andre Roberson or Andre Roberson. That's about it, and he's not going to give us much on the offensive end. We're already playing so well on defense that it's going to give us a boost, yes. But I mean, but what it is also, it's your bench. Who you guys have coming off your bench? I mean, besides yeah. Schroeder and Noel. Yeah, we. I mean, off the bench we have uh, Hamidou Diallo when he comes in. Stop it. We got. Uh, Honestly, I just know no, everyone else plays the entire game. That's what That's I'm saying. That's about it. We have Abdo Nader, who honestly is completely. Hamadou Diallo is like Jeremy Evans, known for the dunk contest, and you stop got walked just, just you stop. to stop playing in the league because he's not good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Uh, they actually just called up DeAndre Burton as well from the G League. This guy's dunk package is ridiculous. Um, I'll, I'll send Kush uh, this highlight tape I saw on Twitter the other day. Maybe he'll maybe he'll post it for me. Maybe he won't on the nosebleeds feed. We'll see. But it's ridiculous what he was doing in the G League. And he's actually a great defensive. He has He's a great defender, high motor, and he never backs down from a challenge. That's what Chris Paul was saying after the Laker game because there was a lot of times when Burton was on the floor and LeBron was, he was taking the uh, he was taking the time to actually go up and guard him. And he actually shut him down a little bit. I'm not going to lie. He held LeBron to, I think, one of four shooting when he was defending him. So it wasn't bad. Yeah, I think those stockpile draft picks, you guys should be fine. Whether this season is a boom or bust, it, it won't matter yeah. for you guys to be honest. I mean, that sucks being that fan for sure, but – you guys have a bright, bright future with all mm-hmm. those draft picks. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to 
Major League Baseball. I know it's uh, kind of slow right now because it's the off season. I mean, and stuff doesn't really get popping until December mm-hmm. after During winter meetings. meetings yeah. yeah. So, um, but there has been some drama. I wouldn't even say some. I would say some pretty damn drama. Probably yeah, some of the is, biggest in the in MLB history. I think in sports history, to be honest. Maybe even in sports history. Uh, I mean, you got the NFL with Deflate Gate and uh, Spygate and all that <laughs> stuff. So, I mean, you, there there has been other stuff in sports, but in the MLB for sure, I think this has been some of the biggest drama. Yeah. Um. um so. It's the Astros. There's been a lot of news and evidence coming out that they've been uh, stealing signs from catchers and basically banging trash cans. Yeah, to, basically they've been relaying. The ba- they've been relaying the sign, the signs to to their players to like, the batter with either like banging, whistling. Yeah, just and there's any, a, there's like evidence and yeah, like you you've crazy. seen it. First of all, shout out to John Boy. That yeah. guy wants some. If you dunk. guys don't know who John Boy is, big Yankees fan, but. And that's, he, I'm pretty sure that's why he's doing so yeah, much research. Yeah, exactly. Research. But, um, great page to follow on Twitter. Has some really nice insights on a lot of things of the game. Uh, but, yeah. But yeah. He's a person that's been bringing all this to light, to be honest. I, I think so. And that's why, I mean, do you think they're ceiling signs or not? Yes, of course. But I think I think they are, but I think every team does it. They just go above and beyond when it comes to it. And I don't think they're doing it very, like, quietly they're of kinda, course they're well, i mean getting, obviously yeah. if they're freaking bringing trash cans but it's it's ridiculous man i mean like you there's been evidence everywhere i mean 2017 against the dodgers in the world series you see it kershaw goes in throws a slider you have you hear a bang or two on a trash can throws a fastball nothing so they they know the sequence that he's going to be throwing and it's 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 not even delayed to the next pitch it's legit after the catcher puts the signs down so it's it's kind of ridiculous in a way and you also saw that video with Robinson Chirinos when he, mm-hmm. uh, that little band-aid fell mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, people are saying it might be an electric buzzer that was supposed to yeah. be in his uh, glove and it came out or whatever. Because, like, mm-hmm. like, you see it fall out. Like, you see a little piece fall out. And when he picks it up, it just looks like a tiny little band-aid. But it's like, if it's a band-aid, why did you have to go out of your way to pick it up? That's my big old thing is, like, why did you go out of your way to pick it up? Like, just leave it. And like, I mean, that's kind of gross. I wouldn't leave a band-aid on the floor. Bro, it is so tiny. Okay, kick dirt over it. Kick dirt over it. Come no, on, yeah. you're really it's, it's telling tough, me like, no, like he made it very yeah. obvious he did. kind of a he thing. Did. And I mean, but I mean, an electric buzzer, uh, that'd be kind of going above and beyond too. I think so, and I think I that's think, like kind of far fetched. But at yeah. the same time, with everything else that has come out, I like wouldn't put it you wouldn't him. put it past yeah, that exactly. exactly. So I mean, that's why the, the Astros are could be in a heap what do you of trouble. Think it's gonna happen? So that's why that's why I wanted to talk to you about is their consequences. I mean. The MLB can only do so much that I feel like it's going to be a lose-lose situation for the MLB. Take away their ring and give it to the Dodgers. Thank you. <laughs> I'm out. Mic drop. <laughs> Freaking Dodger fans. No. Uh, um, no, but I mean, I feel like it's a lose-lose situation for the MLB. Okay. I think at most what they'll probably do is they'll take away draft picks and their international pool money. I that's think kind of all they really can do. To that's what I'm saying. Them. But I, I mean, feel like a lot of fans are going to be like, yo, that's not enough. Like, yeah, that, that's it's BS not going to be enough. But it's, it's big when it comes to the inside work of the MLB. Right. Because a lot of players come international. I mean, you have Jordan Alvarez. That's a big player internationally. Carl, uh, Carl he, Correa. They traded for him. Still. I Still. They did trade for him. I think also a big, a big effect for them might be free agency. I don't know if free agents are going to want to sign for them now. I mean, if you're telling me it makes it easier for me to go up there and bat, but I mean, nah, look at all like they I might agree. have sanctions and stuff. When it comes on, to like, the integrity kind of, of the team, yes, and it is it is tough on the players that are there already. I mean, they have some really back great to the talent. Kaepernick issues. Like, why do you want to go somewhere with or and and bring off field issues to it, kind of a thing? So why would you want to sign with the team knowing that there's going to be so much side chatter? Of course, about a team of course, kind of but thing. all that's just white noise when it comes to when you when you're playing right. the game. 
Like, you really cannot let that affect you. You think, okay, NBA, you think KCP was listening to everything people were saying about him when the season started? Hell yeah. No, because he's there's been a reason why recently. There's a reason why Dwight Howard and LeBron came to his defense. There's no way I don't think he, LeBron I don't and think Dwight Howard come to his defense. If he, I mean, he's maybe probably he, sulking to them. You know, he hears it. Of course, the players are going to hear it. But they And if they let that affect their play, they're not, they shouldn't be professional. They got Wedgie to lay up. <laughs> okay, we're on MLB though. <laughs> we're on MLB. Okay. All right, but for but, the Astros players, if you're a free agent going to that team, you're going there because of the team itself, right? And what they can help you do right. for you in your career. You're not going there, and maybe not going there because of what you heard outside of that and what you saw in a video from somebody on Twitter. Um, but I mean, the allegations are there. I think they're true. They even had some type of like setup right next to the dugout entrance that a lot of teams have to check their at bats after they strike out or after they pop up and stuff like that to see if they missed a pitch. But teams leave it there. For some reason, they were the o- they're one of the only teams that break it down after the games are over to kind of, I would say, hide their evidence of what they're doing. And you saw you kind of see proof of that in their 2017 World Series uh, documentary when they like they go like a like their walkthrough of the entire postseason. Mm-hmm. You see that set up there. And that's something that John Boy was talking about as well. Like why would you have that? And I actually saw this thread on Twitter of uh Sean Doolittle, Brandon McCarthy of Brandon McCarthy, they're talking about that as well. Uh, with an interaction, they're saying, you know, every team has it, but why break it down? Why try and hide it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just feel like any consequence they give is going to be either too much or too little. Like, if there's, I don't, I don't think, think they can suspend players. I don't think they can do too much. They won't suspend players. I think exactly, suspend, and that's why I feel like if I it's just international will, pool money and it's uh, draft picks, draft, and draft picks, I feel like people are going to be like, that's not enough. They basically cheated their way to a World Series. That's BS. And if they take away their World Series, people are going to be like, ooh, that's a little harsh kind of a thing. I don't think so. I mean... Which, I don't think they will think take away Rose. their World Series. There's Rose. no he, way they're he, taking away their World did, Series. All he dude. did was bet on a couple games, and he's banned for life. Yeah, but there's no way they're taking away. Take their it away. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I think that it's gonna be a really gray area, and it's I gonna think, be a I think Manfred situation. has his work cut out for him. There has to be a bigger investigation opened up oh, yeah. on past and present players. I mean, you have Alex Cora, who's a manager of the the Red Sox who was a big part of that. You have Carlos Beltran, who supposedly, well, he's a new manager for the Mets. He was the one that started it. Yeah, no? supposedly he's the one that actually started and gave them the idea of doing yeah. all that. So we got to see what happened. I mean, I don't know if maybe they get suspended along with AJ Hinch for maybe, shoot, I 80 think, games, gave me give them a PED suspension. I think if this does come out and it comes down on the Astros, AJ Hinch just might resign. That's the easy way out. Why would you resign? I mean, take your suspension. They might force him take to your resign. suspension. The team's good enough. The team is good enough to be number one in that division and for eighty games. Hold on, we'll say we got the Angels. Anyways, that that team is good enough to be in first place for eighty games. If he's suspended, we'll say that's what that's what happens. Say Cora, Beltron, AJ Hints, give them a suspension, take away their draft picks, their pool money. I mean, well, I think the biggest guy that is uh, like laughing at home right now is the assistant gm who just got fired oh yeah i wouldn't be surprised if the mlb I mean, definitely goes to him and you think he's laughing though because he doesn't have a job <laughs> right but i mean he's laughing because he's like karma yeah. i mean and it's not really karma because it's of not, what he did yeah like, he, he deserved to get it's fired not kind of a thing but so it's not really karma but that's probably what he's thinking and like the mlb might go to him and be like hey what was what going on? Yeah, and, it, and it's I think, possible. And, and he, it's definitely possible that he does say something because obviously he has he has bad blood. Yeah, he has bad blood with the Houston Astros after the, his uh, firing and all that. So I think that's yeah. someone definitely to look out for, um, whether you're in the Astros organization or the MLB. Yeah, man, 
I hate the Astros. <laughs> Johnny's a very, very big Dodgers fan. If I hate the Astros. Yes, I'm pretty sure all Astro fans. I mean, I think Dodger fans hate the Astros more than Angel fans in our division rivals. I hate the Angels even more, though. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. We haven't done shit for the past God knows how long. Because you guys think you're an L.A. team. You're not. It's because we beat you guys. Because we swept you guys. <laughs> swept you guys in the freeway series. That's why. Ooh. Um, Make the playoffs. All right, let's let's talk. Shut up. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> the off season. Let's talk about a little bit of uh, off season signings that have happened. Yeah, so I mean, two big names are off the board already, or actually, three big names are off the board already. Uh, well, Will Smith to the Braves first. We'll talk about that since that was the first one that happened. Yeah. Um, definitely beefing up that bullpen. They just traded for Green last year mm-hmm. from the uh, mm-hmm. from the Tigers, right? Yeah. Yeah, they traded for Green, and now they signed Will Smith, so they're going all in on that bullpen. Mm-hmm. They re-signed um, one of their guys, Chris Martin. Yeah. Um, they also have AJ Mentor, who's a pretty underrated reliever. And they had O'Day or Darren O'Day, if you don't know who he is, he's a sidearm reliever. That's mm-hmm. very nice, very good, very good pitcher. But he was injured for the most part of last season as well. And I mean, their starting rotation is already pretty set. It's already. it's their their starting rotation is the reason they need to bulk up their bullpen because they can't go deep into games. Right. Um. I mean, their best I mean, pitcher you saw that last, against the Cardinals. Yeah, their best pitcher last season was probably Soroka, who was a rookie. Mm-hmm. And they have some three year vets on that team, so that kind of tells you something there. Uh. But I really like it. Um, I hopefully this doesn't uh, like shoot themselves in the foot. This is kind of what Colorado did around three years ago. They signed um, they signed three big name relievers, finished third in the NL West. It was kind of tough for them. Their bullpen was probably the lone the lone bright spot. But yeah, they put in like what forty five million dollars mm-hmm. within their bullpen already. Yeah, they got a lot of money tied up yeah. with their bullpen. So we'll see. Um, and then big other big news is the White Sox making moves out here. Yeah, they uh, getting their Cubans. They uh, re-signed Jose Abreu, which I think Jose Abreu. I was looking at a lot of the free agent lists and stuff like that. I feel like you need to put some respect on Jose Abreu. Yeah, name. he's been one of the most underrated hitters in the league since he's so. come to the league too. So yeah, I think the, I think the Cuba, reason why is because he came into the league so late, like his age wise, and it's now because he's, he's on the White Sox. That too, but Honestly. I think I think his age is a big reason why people aren't really putting respect on his name. Of I mean, course, I mean he came in at twenty six as a rookie, exactly. But ever since then, all he's done is is rake. Yep, all he's done is rake. Even last season, he was uh, top. I would say top seven in first base stats when it came to average home runs, RBIs, walks, yeah. OPS. I mean, he's a great player, and the contract he got is deserving as well. He got six, I believe it was uh, sixteen mil over three years. Which is not bad. I still think that's somewhat of a steal for Jose Abreu. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, he could be. But this whole goes back to to him being underrated. Yeah, exactly. And the White Sox know what they have. But the the White Sox also did definitely get Jose Abreu help, and they signed Yasmani Grandal, the best catcher Mm -hmm. in free agency. I think I would would honestly say Yasmani Grandal was probably a top seven free agent right now. Yes, and he's actually. I feel like Yasmani Grandal is a top three catcher in the game right now when it comes to controlling a pitching staff. When it comes to actually having some good, uh, decent defense under uh, uh, behind the plate, and he has a really nice bat too. I mean, he's a switch hitting catcher, hits better from the left side of the plate than the right side. But I the think thing I a, like it. Good. I think he was under a lot of scrutiny because of what he did with the Dodgers, or what he didn't do with the Dodgers. I should yeah, say in the postseason. But you saw in Milwaukee. Yeah, he, as a Dodger fan, it hurts. If it because, wasn't for Juan Soto, mm-hmm. they'd be they'd win that wild card game because of Grandal. Yeah, Grandal had such course. a great wild card game. But of course. Uh, he put he tried to put the team on his back. I mean, they were missing Yelich and he stepped up. Exactly. He stepped Through that up. whole stretch. Yeah. So I mean, definitely deserving of the money he did get. Yeah. And uh White well, Sox making moves out here. Grandal, I think this is gonna benefit them in the long run just because they have a really young pitching staff. 
They have Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez. They have uh, Michael Kopech, and they have Dylan Cease coming to play, and that's really going to help them in the long run because he can really help them flourish and get their uh, get their sequences down, get their mind right, and actually help them succeed in that on on, on that mound. I mean, that was a big reason why we kept him for two years in, in L.A. He he was probably the best uh, pitching catching tandem we had for any of our starters. Yeah. Yep. So I'm I'm, I'm excited for the White Sox. I think they can do some stuff. Um, Especially given that division, too. That division, I mean, you have the Twins. Do you think the Twins are going to do the same thing they did last uh, year? No, I think the Indians retake that division That's this year. That's what I'm year. saying. Like, yeah. So, I mean, now now the Twins and Indians definitely do have some more of a threat. Yeah, more of a competition. But, I mean, you also have Detroit and the Royals in there, some bottom feeders that they're, gonna, they're honestly going to get bullied this season. Yeah, they're going to get bullied this season for sure. But I think, I think obviously, down the line, they're, they're thinking more of the future. Yeah. So, I mean, those two teams are not going to be great. But, I mean... Like you said, the Indians, especially after getting uh, Puig. Well, Puig's actually a free agent now. He's a free now. agent now, so, so we'll I mean, see what if happens there. They retain there. Puig, and then they also have Lindor. They have all those guys. Um, but yeah, so we'll definitely see what happens with the MLB. All right, but that is going to do it for this episode of The Nosebleeds. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we are the underscore nosebleeds. And on Instagram, we're the nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Uh, Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, shoot us a five-star rating. Write a review if you're feeling generous. It really helps us out. We'd appreciate that. And uh, shout out to my boy Johnny for coming on. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully I did well enough to be invited back. But if not, it was nice talking to all of you. You guys have a great, you guys have a great 2020. <laughs> all right. And we're out. Deuces. Deuces.